Um, If you have a Bible, go ahead and open up to the book of Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. We're going to start at verse 46 through verse 50. We are starting a new series today called Real Church. Uh, For the next number of weeks, we're going to be looking at uh, the identity, the mission, the purpose of the church, of our church, how we interact with each other, our roles in that. So we're going to start off in Matthew 12. It says this, talking about Jesus. While he, Jesus, was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. It's the word of the Lord for us today. Amen? All right. Let's uh, let's pray together. Father God, you're, you're so good. And it's been so good to celebrate you. Uh, to lift your name up and the work that you're doing in people's lives in this church. Man, it's such a privilege to be a part of this family, be a part of your family. Um, Lord, I pray that you speak to us through your word today, um, that you just give me the right words to say, and uh, that you grow us in you, uh, draw us closer to yourself, uh, to each other, um, for your glory and for the good of people in this church and this community. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Brian and Craig, uh, Robin, Brent, Todd, Art, Gary, Amy, Dan, Carmen, Pete, Paul, John. You know, I I grew up um, basically an only child. I have two older brothers. Uh, but they are about 14 and 18 years older than me, respectively. So by the time I hit grade school, they were well out of the house um, and kind of growing up on my own. Um, But the names I just listed off were really my brothers and sisters, especially when I was in high school and in college. Um, With these people, I mean, we were in church together, We uh, learned together, we laughed together, we played together, we fought together, uh, we served together, we worshipped together. Uh, They were the family I didn't have that I desperately needed. You know, family, family's a big deal. Family's a really big deal. Um, It's the cornerstone of all society. But our concept of family here in the Western world, here in America, um, is very different than some other parts of the world, very different than than times when Scripture was written, places Scripture was written. You see, um, we live very individualistic lives in general, and that greatly affects our family life uh, as well. you know, we, people are looking out for their own happiness. They are looking out for their own pleasure. They're looking out for their own satisfaction. And those things become a great detriment to the family units. 
it causes distance and it causes breakdown. And as the family breaks down, so does the culture, so does the society. And, you know, we see stories of this every day, of how broken our society, how broken our, our world is. And you know what? It correlates a lot with the brokenness of family. Now, some of you here, some of us here, have a really good family experience and perspective. You think back to your family life, and, and it's intact. Uh, it was loving. It was fun. It was supportive. It was faith-filled. Some of you are blessed to have that family experience. Some of us, though, have a, have a really broken experience. There's a, we think back to family, and, um, words like hurt and abandonment and disengaged and fractured come to mind. You know, I, I know this topic of family can bring up a lot of pain in people, and I am so, so sorry for that pain in your life, if that describes you. I really pray that the Lord gives you hope by the end of our time together today and some healing. The truth is that even the best families are messed up. Okay? Um, um, the best families have some level of dysfunction. The best families have skeletons in their closets. Listen, if you come from a broken family, don't become disillusioned by the Instagram appearance of families that seem to have it all together. Okay? That's just a little snapshot is all that is. Oftentimes staged very carefully. Everybody smile right? <laughs> My family has done that. <laughs> um, listen, you, you go to the Bible, you get to the book of Genesis, and it proves the point here. It illustrates it very well in Genesis. In many ways, Genesis is the story of family, uh, particularly the story of one family uh, that was chosen and created by God that he did, in fact, accomplish great things through, Okay? But family was pretty messed up in its own right. I mean, let's just take the first family, for example. Let's look at Adam and Eve. They had it absolutely perfect. They're in the garden. Everything they needed was provided for them. You know, it was a beautiful picture. Life as God intended it, with nothing but a hope and a future before them to be fruitful and multiply, right? And we get to chapter 3, and it's ruined already. And then even more, in chapter 4, one of their boys is murdering his brother. I'm doesn't, I, okay, and if that's not enough, let, let's, let's, let's skip ahead a little bit. Let's go to chapter 12. Now, 12 through 52 is really the story of one particular family. Okay, um, that, uh, that, that names that we are very familiar with. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You guys have heard of them? That's really what the rest of Genesis is about, is their story. These men are the patriarchs of the faith. These men uh, God made covenants with. The nation of Israel came from this family. Jesus descended from this 
family. But I'm telling you what, if you actually ever read Genesis, and you read the story of their family, it reads like a Jerry Springer show. I mean, it's kind of crazy some stuff that goes on. Lies, deception, multiple wives, plotting for murder, sibling, sibling rivalry to levels that makes your hair curl. I mean, this family was messed up. God's grace is greater still, amen? <laughs> this should give us a little bit of hope. But listen, earthly biological families, man, they're wonderful. And they're vital for our well-being. They're integral for our and society's health and a massive part of God's plan for the flourishing of people and the expansion of his kingdom. Okay? Biological earthly family is hugely important. But here's what I want you to know today. There is a greater family. There is a family that has bigger and deeper purpose that's not bound by DNA, but it's bound by faith in the shed blood of Jesus. That's the family we're talking about today. That family is called the church. It's called the church. This is the family that Jesus was talking about in our passage. His biological family was outside the doors of the house that he was in. Okay? Jesus is inside this house, hanging out with people like he always did, teaching them about the kingdom of God. And his biological family is outside. And they're knocking on the door. You know, and at this point, as best we can tell, as best we can tell, as none of them, perhaps even his mother, Mary, none of them were his disciples. Well, how do we know that? Well, in Mark chapter 3, he also tells this story um, that Matthew is recording that we just read. Um, but if you back up 10 verses in Mark, it gives you a little bit greater context about Jesus' family life. So Jesus, in Mark chapter 3, in the beginning, uh, it's where he appoints his apostles and, you know, he's starting his ministry and everything. And um, this is what it says in Mark chapter 3, verse 21. And when his family, Jesus' family heard it, heard things he was doing, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, he's out of his mind. He's out of his mind. This guy's nuts. I mean, this is, this is Jesus' biological family saying things about this. They didn't believe in who he was, what he was doing. They thought he was crazy. Now, does anybody here have biological family members that thinks you're a little nuts for following Jesus? He raised two hands. Praise the Lord for you. Yeah, I mean, a lot of us do. Most of us do, right? I mean, they're like, if they don't think you're crazy, they just think you're weird, Right? kind of look at you funny, and please don't pray at Thanksgiving. I mean, they're, you know, they're thinking these things through their mind. Take heart. Take heart. You're in good company. Jesus was in the same boat. Okay? He gets it. He gets it. And so I don't throw them under the bus too much. By God's grace, Jesus' family all came to faith, and they became leaders in the early church. The, the New Testament books we have of James and Jude— those are Jesus' half-brothers. So God used them. God did a work in their heart. You know, and it's funny. We're talking about Jesus' family. Um, it, 
You know, you read certain things in Scripture and it makes you laugh. And I just saw this the other night when I was preparing for tonight. Um, how many people, you're a part of a family with your siblings that your parents named all of the siblings with the same first letter or a similar sound of your name? Anybody, anybody in, that, in that boat? Is it just me? Okay, there's some back there. Yeah, so my two brothers are Rick and Russ, and I'm Ryan. So sometimes when my mom tries to talk to me, she goes through, like, my brother's names before she ever gets to mine. Okay? Anyone, anyone with me with that? I mean, we even do that with all of our kids. We have five kids, and their names don't sound the same, but I still have to roll through, like, a bunch of names to get there. And I can just hear Mary being flustered to her family because her husband's Joseph, she's got Jesus, there's James and there's Jude, and I can just hear going, you know, Joseph, uh, Jude, Jane, whoever you are, just come over here right now, you know? I think it's just kind of funny. You see things like that, I'm like, oh, they were probably normal family life to some degree that, uh, that we have to deal with. Um, listen, listen, none of our earthly families are perfect. They're not. There's no perfect church either. There's no perfect church either. But there is a perfect father. There is a perfect father who has a wonderful plan for you to be in his family and to be in this family called church for your good and for his glory. There is a perfect father. So these are the things we want to talk about today. As we talk about the big picture family of God, also what does it mean for us here? You know, what does it mean for us to be children of God? What, how do we get into the family? How do we work together, live together, interact with each other in this particular family called Calvary Church? Okay, that's what we're going to dive into. So let's look back in Matthew and, and find out how Jesus defines family. How Jesus defines family. Let's look first in Matthew 12, 49. And he says to this, And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. He stretched out his hands towards who? His disciples. So, church family is made up of disciples. Church family is made up of disciples, which we got to ask, well, what's a disciple? We've been talking about this a lot these last couple years and really the whole focus with Wednesday nights in particular, but let me just give you a little snapshot of what a disciple is. A disciple first is someone who has faith in Jesus as Savior from your sin. Being a disciple is first marked by faith. Faith in Jesus, the Savior from your sin. Secondly, being a disciple is marked by following Jesus as Lord. Following Jesus as Lord. You know, he's in charge. He sets the standard. He's the leader that we follow. And then thirdly, learning from Jesus how to live. Learning how to live. So faith, following, learning. And this word in Greek for disciple, the root, the simplest meaning of this is actually learner. Okay, so that really strikes at the heart of it. So as we look at this, being a disciple and growing as a disciple is about who you know. Who you know. Jesus. What you believe about him and how you live it out. Who you know. What you believe how you live it out. Now, this should begin to start sounding familiar because it's really about 
thinking, feeling, and acting as Jesus taught and modeled. Thinking, feeling, and acting, how Jesus taught and modeled. And the goal, the Bible tells us, is to grow up into him. Grow up into Jesus. Meaning that as you grow as a disciple, that your life begins to reflect his life more and more. That's what we're talking about. So firstly, church family is made up of disciples. Secondly, look in verse 50. It says this, For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Church family does the will of the Father. Does the will of the Father. Now, I'm going to ask you some questions, and I expect a big, altogether resounding answer to these questions. Okay, this is participation time. I'm going to, now, here's a, here's, a, here's a hint. Here's a hint, okay? Um, the answer to all the questions is all the same answer, so that should be helpful. Okay? Uh, does the will of the Father. So, here's my first question. Whose family is it? The Father's. Father, let's say it together. The Father's. Okay, um, who created the family? The Father. Come on, give, give me some gusto here. Who names the family? The Father. Right. Uh, who leads the family? The Father. Uh, who directs the family? The Father. Yeah, who loves the family? The Father. Who provides for the family? Who protects the family? Whose will is best for the family? The Father's. Okay? Now, all of us in here, all of us in here have some type, some level of a father wound. Something from our earthly fathers that was harmful to us. Some wounds are on the surface. They're more like a scratch because he had a really great dad. Some wounds are really deeper. Okay? There's a lot of room in, in there. Um, and when, when we start talking about family, we start talking about father, um, it can be hard for you. And there's a lot, of, a lot of pain to that because it's not a good word. It's not a good concept. It's not a good reality for you. And I'm sorry about that. Um, we have this father wound because our earthly fathers are imperfect. You know, uh, here's what I greatly want to encourage you with. Do not define the heavenly father by your earthly father. Do not define our perfect heavenly father by your imperfect earthly father. We have, as the children of God, a good father, a perfect father, an all-wise Father, an all-powerful Father, an ever-present Father, a totally loving Father who calls us to be His children, and then He actually empowers us to live like it. That's the Father that we have. What He asks us to do, He gives us everything to be able to do it by His grace through his word, through his spirit, along with his people. He's a good dad, amen? So as we talk about living like it, 
Because remember, we're talking about, you know, a church family does the will of the Father. We talk about living like it. We're talking about doing His will. And when we talk about this, when I'm talking about this now, I'm not talking about some mysterious or conceptual, what's God's will for my life as I'm searching for meaning and, you know, that's not what I'm talking about right now. Your meaning was ultimately and eternally defined when God saved you by grace through faith in his Son. You catch that? Your meaning, the deepest parts of you, were ultimately and eternally defined through your faith in Jesus. Your greatest reality is who you are in Christ. That is your greatest reality, meaning this. Your meaning is, I am his child. I am his precious, beloved child. My purpose is to glorify him with all that I do. And my goal is to become more and more like his son. Everybody, family, church family, God's will is not a mystery. It's not something out there that you have to search for and grope for. It's right in front of you. Where do you start, though? Here's the best place to start. Listen, God's will especially in the way Jesus is talking about it here, is doing his clear commands. It's doing his clear commands. Listen to some of the clear commands that the Bible gives us, that God gives us in his word, especially regarding family. He says, love one another. Love one another. He says, forgive one another. He says, serve one another comfort one another. He says, rejoice always. He says, be thankful always. Listen, we, we don't, I don't believe we need to worry about this big conceptual question of what's God's will for my life if we're not focused on doing these simple, clear commands every day. As we do these simple, clear commands every day, you know the big, what is God, what's God's will for my life? That will become pretty clear, and he'll reveal it to you pretty, pretty quickly. Because he's a good dad. God's commands are always good because they're always in accordance with his character. That's why they're good. And his character is perfect. Let's look at three of these real quick as it relates to our family life. Okay? I don't have time to preach the whole Bible, but let's look at three. Okay? Um, let's look at how we live as family. We're going to localize this. We're going to personalize this. Okay? How we live as family. First one we're going to look at comes out of Romans chapter 15, verse 7. And it says this. Romans 15, 7 says, Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. The first thing we should do in living as family, the first clear command in doing the will of the Father that we're looking at is to welcome each other. 
It's to welcome each other. What does this mean? That sounds pretty simple. It is. It means this. It means this is about creating a place for others to belong and flourish. Creating a place for others to belong and flourish. Do you come here with other people in mind? Or are you wrapped up in thoughts about yourself? Do you come here with other people in mind? Do you think about how you can smile, greet, hug, and talk to others so they feel like they can belong and flourish here? I got, I got to tell a story. I think some of you might have heard me say this before, but it's appropriate. You know, when we were looking for a church home um, four years ago, and uh, it was at a point in our life where we were very disconnected from God's people. And, you know, we, 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 were, uh, we, we came here to, to visit, and, you know, for every week, for at least the first four to six weeks that we would come here, we would meet somebody, they would greet us, they would welcome us as we're sitting in the chairs and the pews and wherever we were, and someone, as, we, as they just asked who we were and were new, and every week one or two people said, welcome home. They said it to me. They said it to Dawn. They said it to us together. I mean, it's like, well, who told you welcome home today? Well, these people told me welcome home today. You know, and I don't know if that's just what they said to everybody, but it doesn't matter because God spoke to them. I mean, spoke to us through them to give us that place of belonging and flourishing. Look around. Look to the people next to you. Introverts, I'm sorry. Look around to the people next to you. Look to the people in front of you, behind you. Listen, it's your job. It's your job. You're calling to welcome them so they can belong and flourish. It's your job. Listen, the greeters in this church are not just a handful of people that opened doors to you, said good morning, and gave you a piece of paper. The greeter ministry is the largest ministry of this church because we're all in it. Okay? It's the largest ministry of the church. So welcome aboard, your servant. But welcome each other. Welcome each other. Here's the second one. We find this in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. And it says this, Oh, this is a good verse. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. John says, see the kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God, and so we are. You see, this verse is about giving to each other. It's about giving love to each other. Because love is primarily to be given. Love is to be given. Love is outward focused. Love is wanting the best for somebody else. As a part of this family, are you looking to give to others or to get from them? Where are you at with that? Now, Listen, let me, got to give a caveat here, because listen, we all go through times and seasons in our life where we just need to receive. We need to be loved on. And that's okay. 
That's what we're here for. But that proves the point even more, doesn't it? We are here to give, to give love. Look at the people around you again. Look, look, look to your left, to your right, in front of you, behind you. It's your job. It's your calling to give and to love them. A third part of our family living comes, I'm going to look at two verses. Two <laughs> that I really like. Genesis chapter 3. Okay? This is a really great verse in a really hard chapter. Genesis chapter 3. So to set the stage a little bit, um, so you had Adam and Eve, and they're they're created by God. They're placed in the garden, and they gave her, give them, you got one job. <laughs> Don't do that, right? Don't eat that fruit of that tree, and that's what they did. So we get to Genesis 3, and they ate the fruit. They disobeyed, and it's what is called the fall, and sin entered into the world. And what happened was a result of sin, okay? Uh, a result of sin, and that result of sin was shame. And that shame caused them to hide, is what it did. And so God, in his goodness and grace, he comes down into the garden. And this is what he says in Genesis 3, verse 9. It says, but the Lord God called to the man. He didn't see him. But the Lord God called the man and he said to him, where are you? Where are you? Do you guys realize that the father was the first missionary? His children got lost. His children were hiding in shame. And he went, he went to seek them, went to find them. Where are you? We see in Luke, we see in Luke, Jesus, in Luke 19, um, verse 10, Jesus says about himself, he says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. You see, Jesus, he said this. He said, he's like, hey, I, I see and I do what I see the Father doing. Jesus was just doing what he's seeing the Father doing from the beginning of time. That's all he was doing. God the Father sought out his lost children in the garden. Jesus came to seek out the lost children. So this is our third point of living as family is to seek out others. Seek out others. You know, God, the Father, is always on the lookout for those who are disconnected, those who are lost, those who are hiding in shame, just like Adam and Eve, our first parents. They're hiding because of sinful, selfish choices that opposed his goodwill. He is seeking and drawing people to himself to become a part of his family. That's what the Father is doing. If you are a disciple, you are, my question is, are you imitating the love of the Father by seeking out those who are lost, disconnected, and hiding in shame? Are you seeking them out? Now, I'm not going to make you turn your heads now, but I'm going to tell you, there are people sitting around you right now who are feeling disconnected, who are lost, and they are hiding in shame. And we are called to seek them out and to welcome them and to love them 
so they can belong and flourish. You see how this works together? We are doing what the Father does. Now, if you are here and those words describe you, the disconnection, the lostness, the shame, do you realize that your very presence here is evidence that God is at work in your life. Do you realize that? Do you realize that if you're disconnected from the family of God, if you're lost and shamed by your sin, that you're here today not because of the person that invited you, that you're here today not because there's a party afterwards that you can go around and take food from, do you realize that you're here today because God used those things as instruments of his goodwill and grace in your life so you could be in his family? Amen. Do you realize that? The, the God of the universe took notice of you and your situation, and he is seeking you out. And he's drawing you to himself, and you're responding because you're here. That's mind-blowing to me. How good is our Father in heaven? He loves you. He wants you connected. He wants you found. He wants your sin of shame washed away by the blood of his Son. You know, we were able to celebrate baptisms today. A glorious celebration. Two people in the first service, one here. Jesus told us in Matthew 28, the first part of verse 19, Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father. What it means to be baptized in the name of the Father is that you are being, you are outwardly showing your position in his family. You're saying, I am his child. I am his daughter. He is my dad. And I'm letting everybody know who loves me best. And whose team I'm on. And who I'm going to follow. We have God's name on us as his children. We are seeking to have our lives reflect his. As we look at a verse that Paul wrote in Galatians 6.10 where he says, do good to everyone. Do good to everyone, especially those in the household of faith. These are the simple, clear will of God for us. So, as a disciple, those of you who are a disciple of Jesus, where do you need to grow most in this family life? Is it in welcoming others? as God has welcomed you? It, it, is it to give love to others as the Father has given and loved you? Is it to seek out others as the Father has sought you? What's the Spirit telling you? The Spirit's going to impress one or more of these things on you. As someone who's maybe in this other category we've talked about, maybe you're lost, 
you're disconnected, you're covered in shame. I invite you into God's family this morning. I invite you to respond to him. The only thing you need to do, the only thing you need to do for that to happen is this. You believe that Jesus died for your sin and shame. You believe that Jesus rose from the grave that you can have life. And you confess that Jesus is Lord of your life. Romans 10 makes it really clear. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. That's what I'm inviting you to do. It's no magic words, no hidden knowledge, no financial commitment necessary. Okay, there's no strings on this. Believe, confess, and as you are welcomed into his family, I with great joy welcome you to be a part of this church family. And come home. I'm going to invite the prayer teams to come down and please stand. We have a good father, a great dad. I encourage you not to leave this place today if there's something going on in your life that you need a brother or sister to pray with you for. Like all those prayer requests and praises that Pastor Paul went through earlier today, don't leave today without the opportunity to have a family member pray with you because prayer changes things. Changes us. Okay? If, If you are saying, gosh, I see it. God is working in my life. God is drawing me to himself. He is seeking after me. And I am disconnected. I am lost. I am ridden with shame because of my sin. And I need Jesus to take it all away and give me life. I invite you to come down here and give a brother or sister, a new brother or sister, the honor to pray with you and welcome you into this family and to help you along with your next step. Let's pray together, and you come to forward, and we'll sing, and then Andy will dismiss us. Father God, thank you so much for being the good Father, greater than any Father we ever have had or could hope to have. Lord, thank you for making us a part of your family. Thank you for giving us this church. Lord, help us to be those who give and who welcome and who seek that this is, place is not about us. It's about you. It's about people who need a vital family to be a part of. Lord, for those who are, came in here lost and hurt and disconnected, give them hope and healing today. Wash their sins away in Jesus as you give them faith. Help them to confess you as Lord. We celebrate the new life that you give. Thank you that our greatest reality is being your children. Thank you for your love, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.